My heart's on fire, and you are listening to the Dare Daniel podcast. Where, uh oh, I think, yep, it's the Scare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie scares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian and purveyor of Polkatrude, and with me, as always, is the film critic. You know him as the Scare Master. Daniel Barnes. Boo, everyone. On this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate them using our unique and uniquely scary system. Run-of-the-mill bad film is rated a dare. Double dare goes to the truly atrocious movies. And we reserve the hallowed, the worldwide respected reverse dare for those despised movies that are actually pretty good. On this evil Evil, dark, witchy night <laughs> on the podcast. We're reviewing Cassandra Peterson as the macabre title character in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. We're also going to read some movie dares sent in by our listeners. But before we get started, we're going to talk about some beer freshments we're drinking tonight on the show. Well, of course, it's October as we're releasing this. It's late September as we are recording it. So what more perfect beer than an Oktoberfest beer? A Fest beer. This one is from Alvarado Street Brewing Company. It is a lovely, as they describe it, smooth, pale, German-style lager. It's nice and malty. It is uh, pretty low in alcohol, 5.8%. Um, just a nice, delicious German beer, the kind you expect to hoist from Steins at an Oktoberfest. Um, not as many Oktoberfest celebrations going on this year, but I'm celebrating at home with a delicious Alvarado Street Fest beer. Quirky, you got a beer? I have. We, I don't think we've had a big stump. We have not had a big stump beer. They're out of Sacramento, California. This is the Voltronic Hazy India Pale Ale. It's hopped in Simcoe. And then got some, what is that, the Amarillo and Citra hops. There you go. Eight and a half percent, and it is damn good. Yeah, big stump. They're right there on J Street, right? In uh, Midtown Sacramento. Um, Correct. Great tasting room there. So go check them out if you're in Sacramento. Big Stump Brewing Company. Now, let's read a dare from one of our lovely... Very attractive. I'm very attracted to all of our listeners. They are hitting us up. They are on the Schmied. That is a shortening of social media. I feel like I take a lot of time explaining why and how this saves time, and yet it somehow does actually save time. You think, are you wasting a lot of time? No, I am not. I am saving time, and I'm saving you time, you ungrateful bastard. Where were we going with this? Dares! What's the (laughs) dare for today? Our dare comes from Alistar Dark. This dare sounds scary. That's a scare dare. Uh, what do you got for us, Alistar Dark, if that is your real name? I don't think it is. Jesus Christ, Vampire Hunter. That's what Alistar Dark has. This is a film from 2001. It was directed by your boy, Lee DeMarb. And all-star cast, I'll just read off a few names just because this is crazy. <laughs> Phil Caracas, Muriel Varheli, Maria Moulton. 
Uh, Dom DeLuise is in this one. Uh, Frank Sinatra and uh, Dean Martin have a cameo. Uh, Joseph Cotton. So good. <laughs> it just Ava Gartner's in it. I mean, everyone's in this one. Classics. Why, Alistair Dark? Do you want us to watch the All Star Caper? Jesus Christ, Vampire Hunter. He says it's low budget, Canadian, and has lesbian vampires. Boom, mic drop. IMDb synopsis says, Kung Fu action slash comedy slash horror slash musical about the second coming. Corky, ever hear of Jesus Christ, Vampire Hunter? No, but low budget, Canadian, and has lesbian vampires. <laughs> I think that describes a club I went to in Winnipeg one time. <laughs> hey <laughs> But seriously, folks. Thank you so much, Alistar Dark, for your dare. It was terrifying, and uh, it scarred me for life. I'll never be the same. I think we got this dare also off the bad movie subreddit because we, I was asking for Canadian exploitation movies. <laughs> to go with uh, Beyond the Seventh Door. Absolutely. I mean, it's in a class of its own. But thank you, Alistair, and all of our listeners for your dares. And now a feature program. <laughs> Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. This week's dare is longtime friend of the show, Ryan L. Terry. Why did Ryan dare us, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? He says, I am daring you to watch this movie because it's a fish-out-of-water cult classic. Elvira is an icon that means so much to the horror and LGBT plus communities. Her feature film debut typifies the idea of camp and is incredibly rewatchable. It's equal parts horror, comedy, and satire as it explores the ideas of nonconformity, tradition, acceptance, and resilience. Even people that have not seen her movies or TV show knows who she is, and her brand of satirical comedy transcends the ages. The IMDb synopsis for Elvira, upon arriving in a small town where she has inherited a rundown mansion, a famous horror hostess battles an evil uncle and townspeople who want her burned at the stake. Yes, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is this week's feature film. I've seen it several ways. I've just seen it as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I've seen it as Elvira, comma, Mistress of the Dark. And I've seen Elvira, colon, Mistress of the Dark. It's a mistress mystery wordplay we talked about cassandra peterson and her career a little bit when we read this dare originally during the forbidden zone episode last march you can go check that one out on your itunes and so forth uh but just to recap a little bit she started as a vegas showgirl at 17 dated elvis she was in a james bond movie she worked with fellini in italy she toured america with a musical comedy show she joined the groundlings the la improv group and in 1981, she auditioned for the role of a TV horror movie hostess at KHJ-TV in Los Angeles, and the rest is history. Elvira eventually became a prolific pitch woman. She was in a lot of commercials and stuff in the 80s, um, and a movie star as well. Peterson herself just turned 69. She still looks absolutely amazing. amazing. She still makes appearances in character as Elvira. Mostly does voice work at this point including the voice of Elvira in the 2020 cartoon special, Happy Halloween, Scooby-Doo, so stay on the lookout for that one. Uh, the film was directed by James Signorelli, who made Easy Money, the Rodney Dangerfield vehicle. Otherwise best known for TV, did a lot of Saturday Night Live stuff. Cassandra Peterson co-wrote the film with Sam Egan and John Paragon. Both of those guys were also primarily TV writers, which is not very surprising once you watch the film. <laughs> Fun fact, John Paragon wrote and directed... Twin Sitters, a 1994 comedy vehicle starring the Barbarian Brothers of Think Big fame. And I, he, I feel like that's in our future. <laughs> oh, I yeah. honestly think that movie's in our future. We got more Paragon 
He's not Paragon. He's Paracumen. And Paragon also appears in the film as the farting gas station attendant at the very uh, beginning. So he really left his mark on this movie in a number of ways. Paragon and Peterson also co-wrote the follow-up film, which is called Elvira's Haunted Hills, released direct-to-video in 2002. She claimed last year she's working on a third Elvira film, just, I think, because of overwhelming uh, demand. And it would be a direct sequel to the film we are reviewing today. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, opened September 30, 1988 on 627 screens. It grossed $5.5 million against a budget of $7.5 million. 50 on Rotten Tomatoes from 20 reviews, 43 on Metacritic. She was was nominated for a worst actress Razzie which is that's not really <laughs> that's come on she lost to Liza Minnelli for Rent-A-Cop and Arthur II colon on the rocks Karen James of the New York Times gave a pretty typical review she said it was a lame attempt to cash in on her character's success Corky yeah do you share Ryan L. Terry's enthusiasm for this film he called it a cult classic or were you more like Karen James the Razzie the Razzies and the people of Falwell, Massachusetts in wanting to burn Elvira at the stake. Brian's a good guy. I like that he we listens to Ryan. the show. Ryan, we he, love he you, Participate, Love you. Love. Really good support. Really good engager. Great engager. I, I would say he's one of our top schmeeders. Started schmeed on the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> and he does a lot of schmeeding. Yeah. In his, in his uh, spare time. But I'm trying to delay actually talking about this movie because I, I had nothing – I have nothing positive to say about this movie. I, I, have, a, I have a few positive things to say about this yeah. movie. It's drags. It's so <laughs> dry. This movie is like an mi- hour and 30 minutes, but it felt like fucking forever. Yeah, so just a lot of one-liners strung together. You said farting gas station attendant, but this man – That's a high picks point. Picks his nose. <laughs> picks yeah, his ass. Right? farts and that's that's the ethos throughout this movie yeah ambiguity and subtlety are are way out the window um for this one um yeah i couldn't help but compare it to the last dare that we got from our beloved ryan l terry the beautician and the beast because again likable enough actress yeah uh talented great character Honestly, this kind of like sexy valley girl goth kind of thing. She has all these fun contradictions as part of her character. It's not really just a one-note character. It's a one-note movie, though. Yeah. It is just a lot of really musty jokes, and they are not that funny. It definitely feels, as I alluded, like something that should have been on TV and is does not really feel like a feature film. It's fe- I mean, it feels like there should be a laugh track yeah. in this movie. Like, it is set up, punchline, but at bash, you know? <laughs> like it's Speaking of Ryan's last dare, I would rather be locked into Boris the... the <laughs> what, not Boris the Blade, but uh, Boris the Beast. I'd rather be locked in Boris the Beast dungeon for a weekend and watching nothing but Beautician the Beast on on repeat then watch this one more time that's Ouch. that movie is so much better than this movie oh it really is not it really is not oh. they're both just not very good they're both just they are extensions of a character that was made for tv and they're not very good extensions like it's just it's a likable actress in a terrible vehicle it's basically the same thing but yeah there's less of a barrage in beautician and the beast of yeah. just Joke, 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 joke. And like, it's not a surprise this wasn't a hit either, even though the character was very popular. It's like too smutty for kids. That said, it's not for adults either. It's way too cornball for adults. It's so, so corny. And Peterson, she's really likable, but obviously she is 
she's talking straight to the camera. Yeah. She's having big, big reactions. There's, as I said, no ambiguity, no subtlety, and she does not do small in any sense of the word. The the deliberately bad joke mm-hmm. cannot go through a whole movie. And and I like Elvira. Not for a feature film. Yeah. Not for a feature And I love that film. she's yeah, camp, absolutely. and I love that she's a, a LGBTQ plus icon. Yeah. I mean, I agree with a lot of the exactly. stuff that Ryan was saying. This is a movie about nonconformity. It's mm-hmm. a movie about, like, uh, censorship. It's and sex a lot positive. Of the things that are going on. Absolutely. It's just not funny. Right. It's just not funny, and, and it's quite creative. And bad comedy is, is just the worst for me. You're here. So let's dive right in. Let's shave this monkey. All right. So it opens with scenes from a 50s monster movie. Of course, Elvira started as a horror movie host on TV in Los Angeles. And this monster movie that we're watching segues into a TV broadcast of Elvira kind of doing her thing. So I thought what I thought was interesting about Elvira, I don't really have too much memory of watching her except for like on commercials and things like that. And, and uh, Halloween specials. Cameos on TV. Exactly. She both loves and has an abiding contempt for these films that she is showing, Uh right? Like, she champions these movies as, like, oh, my God. But she's also, like, it's the worst thing ever. And later on, she is, like, talking over the movie that she's showing to people. So, as a cinema purist, I found it somewhat disappointing, (laughs) honestly. I was, like, if she had a sincere love for these terrible movies, I would would appreciate that more than if she had this, which is an ironic love. Yeah. You know, it's ironic. It's, it's It's a bit of a pose. So, I don't know. Kind of annoying. Not disappointing, though. Her boobs. <laughs> oh, my God. And the boob jokes, though. The boob jokes. They, they are fast and fierce. Her first line in this movie is a boob joke, and it just does not stop. <laughs> it just does not stop. 70% of this movie is a reference to her boobs. She calls herself the girl with enormous dot, dot, dot ratings. See again. Not funny, though. My first laugh is when I, I have this in – I don't know what it is, but when somebody gets hit in the head or face out of nowhere, <laughs> I – crack up and when the weather sign at the studio she's working it drops in her face made me laugh that is one of three laughs you will get from me in this movie recurring theme throughout this movie elvira freaks out the squares holy shit she comes right (laughs) off her show and comes face to face with this newswoman who of course has done it very properly for the news tress mcneil right away is just like on elvira like they just come face to face and she says is there anything that could possibly shame you and elvira says something like that outfit at which point an unnamed black woman who we will never see again says get it girlfriend <laughs> so fucking bad. It's because oh. every piece of dialogue in this movie is just for her to set up a, a punchline. All set up every yeah. That's another theme in this movie is Groundlings performers like mm. Tress McNeil, James Signorelli, uh, Edie McClurg later on. Yeah, they're sprinkled throughout here. She meets Elvira meets the new station owner who is basically uh, Harvey Weinstein and Cowboy Duds. This guy is just <laughs> like, oh look, Elvira, she is my employee. I will have sex with her. And the station manager, uh, not the station owner, that's the cowboy. The station manager is like pushing her into this guy too yeah elvira tells the guy off puts him to the ground or pushes him to the ground and she quits at which point the guy on the ground says you said she was a nympho (laughs) that's not funny no (laughs) these scenes are so it's really busy in these opening scenes like really really fast-paced and chaotic um yeah not busy in any kind of entertaining sort of way um, so she's quit her job, but she needs money. <laughs> this didn't make any sense. She's, she has a show in Vegas, so she doesn't need this shit. But then it's like, no, you need money for this show in Vegas. What is that? How that works? Like, what? I think she's got to put a 
payment down that she will draw a certain amount for her show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's probably when the mob ran Vegas is probably how they did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so she needs money, and right away a telegram arrives. Is a bit. Uh, her long lost great aunt Morgana has left her an inheritance, and she needs to go to Falwell, Massachusetts to pick it up. Oh boy. And then we get this like game show dream sequence where she's being awarded cars, and she wakes up from that and heads off to Falwell, Massachusetts in her car, which is this scold out car with like animal print interior and a license plate that says kick ass. And now the opening credits can finally start she's picking up a hitchhiker who turns into a serial <laughs> yes. murdering creep as she takes the axe from you knew this guy was bad news when you saw his prince valiant haircut <laughs> nobody who has a prince valiant is good news except prince valiant ironically enough exactly he's the one um but yeah the cornball one-liners the boob jokes they keep coming we do see again john paragon is this gas station attendant she accidentally blows up the gas station because she knocks the gas pump off and he lights a cigarette there's a country song playing in the background uh, diegetically in the scene where it just goes chicken fried steak got my chicken fried steak i eat my chicken fried steak i like a chicken fried so she arrives in falwell falwell massachusetts no 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 she arrives at the Norbit Town Square set. She arrives say. at Hill Valley. <laughs> I've seen this set before. Yeah, it is your prototypical, quiet, all-American studio backlot. Um, it really does look like the same place that they shot those carnival scenes in Norbit and where just, I mean, it, it just looks like a fucking, like it really does. And it's not. I shot. don't think that marquee was taken down from Back to the Future in that <laughs> town square. Save the clock tower. <laughs> Um, Elvira arrives in town and the everyone in town loses their shit as soon as they see her drive in like she's just driving in a car it is like it reminded me so much of when Vanilla Ice rides into town that's it cool as ice because people come out and like gape people literally traffic stops they screech like you hear screeching when people fucking like stop and I'm like one guy runs out He's getting a shave and he's like half shaved and he like runs out like, oh my God, what's happening? It's a woman driving a black car. That's all we know at this point. Like they don't know who this person is. She's just a woman with black hair driving a black car. And then when she gets out, she has boobs. Yeah. But that's that's it. That's that's the crazy thing that everyone's reacting to. But in case you know you weren't sure if she fits in, uh, here comes Edie McClurg as Chastity Pariah. And she tells her, you most certainly don't fit in this town. And Elvira says, if I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. Which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Team boys, of course, are all over Elvira. They push her car for her. She's very good at manipulating. Because his car's broke down. Her car breaks down right when she gets to Falwell. It's funny because she goes, now I'm stuck in this hellhole. It's like, it wasn't that your destination? (laughs) (laughs) This is where you wanted to come. Uh, so she goes to a hotel and there's an old couple there and they don't want her business because, well, the, the wife doesn't. And then the husband is, uh, Johnny, the shoeshine boy from police squad. And he's yeah. all henpecked because William Duell always plays the henpeck guy, but their daughter comes down and she like comes to a screeching halt and does a straight up toe to head gaze of Elvira. So, again, just like little brother Tommy and cool as ice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. Whoa, I just figured out some things about myself. <laughs> I just hit puberty looking at her. <laughs> uh, and this is Robin. Robin walks her to her room and she tells Elvira the town, this town isn't real big on fun because Elvira wants to go out. But she tells her she should go to the bowling alley, which is named Patty's Tidy Bowl. Get it? 
<laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> it's just fucking dumb. Patty, the owner, has big boobs. That's something you need to know for now. Patty, the owner, has big boobs, but she's wearing them in a, a square 50s bra, so they look like big missiles. Very pointy, yeah. There's a, a really odd-looking extra who you've seen in a million movies and Jeff Conaway. And seeing Jeff Conaway sit in a bowling alley <laughs> is the first time a bowling alley got herpes from one of its patrons. <laughs> Jeff Conaway is greasy throughout this movie. Yeah, he looks bad. He looks bad. And he comes on to Elvira, of course. Uh, she shoots him down, and then they get into a fight, and this beefcake named Bob. <laughs> Bob. He comes to her rescue. Bob, Patty's also flirting with Bob, so we're setting up a triangle there. Elvira pulls out a knife before Bob yeah. gets there. She pulls out a knife, and she goes, I got you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I called him Beefcake Bob. This guy mm. is a dead-eyed, muscle-bound lunkhead, like right out of a Russ Meyer movie. This guy, he... he <laughs> he's a Fairly Brothers regular. He's like in every one of their movies. The man cannot act. I don't no. know that he, he knew he was on set. <laughs> I think they had to remind him when to breathe. <laughs> He That's brutal. It's brutal. It's it's so funny that he's the love interest. It's just amusing. Uh but Beefcake Bob runs the local movie house. But he can only show G rated movies because the Fall Will Town Council is stuffed with the uh town council from Footloose. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can't dance during our movies. <laughs> I did like that when she meets him, like five minutes later so she gets assaulted in this bowling alley. The owner comes over and tries to pick a fight with her, and Bob tells her, you better leave. It's like, why? She's the victim throughout all of this. <laughs> right. As they cut to them walking out of the bowling alley, I, I did like that she's like, so my hotel is like, right? She's like already trying to get this guy into her bed. I know, right? Yes. I, I did like that. She's so sex positive. She knows what she's wants. She's going to get what she wants. Yeah, and she knows the effect that she has. She's great at manipulating it, but she's also not not manipulative in a weird sort of a way either. Not yeah. not for any um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, yeah, a great character. What stupid movie? Um, so we get to the reading of the will once again. There's a bunch of stammering squares, and they are freaked out by her appearance and her attitude. The lawyer is actually the half shaved guy from earlier. Ah, the guy who's okay. reading the will is the guy who ran out with half shaved to be like, oh. and he is still just like gawking and stammering and stuttering and falling all over himself. He's just so put out by all there. My second laugh of this movie is when she shows up. She says, "Sorry, I'm late, but so's my aunt." That was pretty funny. <laughs> We got yeah, one more laugh to go, folks. One more. One more. Laugh. Don't worry. Only an hour left in this film. <laughs> um, she meets her uncle Vincent, who I just called Uncle Evil because yeah. you get right away that this guy is evil. And I mean, again, subtlety is just bye bye. I liked this performance though. Uh, no, he's a fine actor. He's one of those guys who's been in a million things, but it gets it's as one note as everything else in the sure. So she gets. Morgana's house, she gets Morgana's poodle, and she gets a recipe book. After the, she's disappointed, obviously. Um, and then after it's over, we see Uncle Evil, who is fuming because he wants that recipe book. What recipe book? And he later finds Elvira and offers to buy it for fifty dollars. And she's like, "All right, sounds good. Let me go find the book." 
He also happens to be teamed up with Conaway and the weird-looking guy from the bowling alley just <laughs> randomly. <laughs> these are the two hoods in town. Like These are the two the two henchmen. This is what I got. It's fucking fall. Well, I, I just love that she's upset she got a house willed to her. And then when the lawyer takes her to the house, she's like, oh, this is great. He's like, oh, no, that's not your house. It's over there. Cut to, and you're, you're expecting a house like a decrepit shack. Like falling apart or something? It's fucking gorgeous. It's a mansion. It's just an old it's, house. Yeah, it's a Victorian-style <laughs> mansion. Break. Yeah, real estate prices in Falwell must be absolute garbage. But yeah, she says, uh, or the lawyer says, the house needs a little something. And she says, yeah, a wrecking ball. It's just laugh track humor. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. dun <laughs> Uh, she meets the poodle, who's named Algonquin. She renames him Gonk and gives him a punk makeover. Um, but the dog, we can already see, knows something's up. There's something about this dog because he finds the recipe book and then hides it. So now Avira prepares to go to sleep. And, of course, horn dog teens are going to horn dog teens. So they come to peep. We have a strip scene in this yes. PG-related movie. Yeah, she strips, uh, you know, all sort of discreetly off screen. Uh, and then finds them at her window and kind of like pleasantly shoves them away, like shoves them down, but does it in a way that's like, oh, come back tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but they get a picture. They fall, they all fall down, but they get one picture. So Avira now goes to sleep, and then we get this kind of fake out. You know, I mean, the movie does at least kind of nod to horror a yeah. little bit in, in what Especially it's doing. Towards Mostly, the it's end. just a dumb comedy. But there is this scene. Uh, it turns out to be a nightmare fake out kind of thing where she hears a voice calling for her, gets up, and then somebody blah jumps from behind, and then she wakes up. Um, but the next morning, the horny teens are back. But this time, they're going to help her remodel the house, and they're going to charge people to ogle her. Also, <laughs> the next scene opens. She's wearing tight spandex pants with holes cut down the side like she's in the come on babe video by two live crew and she's just got her ass and vagina in the camera i mean just right up she's bent over in it good stuff that was the 80s it was weird times <laughs> i know that's so good um so now we meet this town council edie mcclurg of course is on the town council the hotel owners are on the town council and kurt fuller this is just on the town council, too. And he's a real estate agent. They tell him that she's selling the house. And so he goes to her house and tries to rape her. You see Kurt Fuller and you know subtlety is coming. You're just like, this guy's playing a good guy. <laughs> this guy is going to play it subdued. Vena, venal piece of shit. Massimo or Kurt Fuller? Who's more aggressive? <laughs> All right, God. Kurt Fuller doesn't even like, he just stampedes right in. Um, so, yeah, no one comes to her open house except Kurt Fuller, who, again, tries to sexually assault her. So she's like, okay, I'm stuck in this town. I'll start looking for a job. But then in an, uh, this is just there's all these bits that you're kind of like, okay, I get it conceptually, but it doesn't land. It's just not executed well. So in this one, she's going around looking for a job, but Chastity, Edie McClurg, is like, Calling people ahead of time, but it's just doing it all in fast motion. So she's like, beep, 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 and then Elvira walks in and then walks out. Just it's a it's a long way to go for a bit that just it's not very funny. But while she's uh, but while she's out, the bowling alley bros, Jeff Conway and his buddy, uh, they break into her house. They try to find the book. They don't find the book, but they find her edible panties, which Jeff Conway then stuffs down the other guy's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> There's a gag where she's she runs into Bob while she's on her job search mm -hmm. montage. She runs into Bob and he's in front of this marquee and he's he's putting words up. The movie title on there is How to Blank U C K. And there's a gag that she she, she has the 
E there, and it looks like an F, and it shocks everybody. What was that gonna be? What what, what was that movie title? <laughs> it was something like How, How to, to Suck. A That's the only thing I can think of. That's still a porn movie. <laughs> <laughs> This is also the scene where they have the in rapid suggestion uh rapid succession jokes about blowjobs and STDs. Well this was my last laugh was uh something lands on her head. How's your head? Well, I've, I haven't had any complaints so far. Last laugh, folks. A long <laughs> ride to go. It's going to be rough. Buckle in. Uh we go down with Uncle Evil to his secret underground lair. Turns out he's evil. <laughs> and Imagine like so that. many villains, he has a nebulous non-plan to be powerful, I guess, <laughs> and take over the town. But it's got a ticking clock built in because it's when the moon <laughs> is not lit. Yes. yes, the lunar eclipse is going to be in one week, and at that point, something will presumably happen. It's just like, it's so fucking lazy the way they set this shit up. It's just like, by the way, Lunar Clips in one week, ticking clock. That'll come up with 10 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I thought this bit was funny where, maybe not intentionally funny, but the room starts shaking because it's like the ghost of Morgana is all pissed off. And he's laughing and he says, there's nothing you can do. You're dead. <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> Um, she goes to the kids who are all like we can't talk to you the town council said we can't talk to you all our parents say we can't talk to her so they kind of reject her Um, but she's going to put on a live show at the movie theater and this is her plan to get the money to get out of vegas it's hard to figure out she doesn't need money uh as far as like living she's got a house right it's there's a house. You're not. I can fix your car with the. You know, <laughs> she can take some alone out on her house. <laughs> um, but we go to her show, which again is kind of this like MST3K thing because she's sort of sitting on the couch and making snarky jokes over Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. There's a boy in the audience who looks like Kristen Bell who is not amused. <laughs> That's the kind of shit I was focused on. <laughs> Just extras yes. uh she's gonna do this bit inspired by flash dance which she says is going to be a guaranteed standing ovulation but big boobs patty switched the glitter with tar and feathers Ta-da. then when the tar drops on her the crowd is like aghast i mean <laughs> would a teenage crowd even know what tar and feathers is <laughs> it's this yeah elvira swears revenge like, I'll have my revenge. But downstairs is Beefcake Bob. He took her home, and she's back. And now she's kind of like, all right, let's get to, get to work here, Beefcake Bob. And she kind of sidles in, but he resists her advances. The way she remembers she wants to fuck him is because he gets up to get off the couch, and she just looks at his ass. It's so like, she wants his balls. Like, she, that's the only view she had. It's like, oh, yeah, I want some of that. It's like, I want his balls. <laughs> But in the couch where they're sitting on, she does find the recipe book. And then Bob is, is again, he's trying to, like, resist her. Um, he's 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 acting very virginal, even though he's obviously, like, a grown man and he's wearing, like... I, we can't even use the word acting with this guy. <laughs> but she finds the book and says, okay, well, to, uh, to keep him here, I will cook some food. I will make one of my aunt's recipes. Now, we've all figured out by now, because we're not stupid, that her aunt was a witch, and some crazy shit's going to happen. And sure enough, she goes in there and starts, uh, and she serves it up to him, and they say, oh, it smells really good, but then, bah, 
wow, out of it pops this crazy monster, which is like it just the soup monster reaches out and tries to eat them. This was the first point in this movie I was having fun. I mean, really, yeah. this was like the first fun sequence to me in this movie. It's pretty dead up until this point, you know, because it just is this barrage of, of setups and one-liners. Um, but yeah, this was kind of like, okay, we're getting into the horror stuff um, a little bit. And yeah, they take the monster, they throw it in the sink, they throw it down the garbage disposal, and they're kind of like, what the fuck's going on? But watching this actor, Bob, try to figure out <laughs> to, how to look scared, but also like he's attacking the thing with the fork <laughs> is so fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, Bob. So they find uh, the secret room. It has all of Aunt Morgana's stuff. There's this whole note that explains Elvira's backstory. Um, Cassandra Peterson actually does play Morgana with her actual red hair. Hmm. Uh, and we find out that baby Elvira which we do see baby Elvira, was left at an orphanage by a red-eyed dog, like a large red-eyed dog. And that there's basically this centuries-old family feud between Morgana and Uncle Evil. And then there's another sex magic bit where she recites a spell and is like, oh my god, oh, she has all these sexual moans. And then the lights flicker on and it's a snake. What was she thinking that was? Did she think that was like a stick? Like a four-inch long dick with... That, I mean, scales. Do <laughs> Bob, your dick has scales. It's cold, as if it has no blood. <laughs> it's draped it's across my shoulders. Normal. So yeah, they have sex, um, and in the next scene, we are at the Morality Club picnic, the Falwell Morality Club picnic. Of course, all of our Eddie McClurg and everybody is there. Elvira comes with her dish, and she puts it on the potluck table, and it's obviously, we're thinking, okay, it's going to be a monster. People open it up, no monster, just normal stew or something. But instead of having this monstrous effect, it has this intoxicating and kind of sexualizing effect on the townspeople, and everybody gets all crazy horny. Yeah. And because this movie is not subtle at all, we actually hear Chastity Pariah say, oh boy, am I a horn dog? <laughs> and sits on somebody's face. <laughs> And everybody just dances and strips and, and gets all horny. If you don't horny. think you get an Edie McClurg cunnilingus scene, you get an Edie McClurg cunnilingus yeah. scene. But, they, but before they all dipped into it, the kids lined up to eat. Mm -hmm. There were children at this picnic that everybody broke into <laughs> a know, morality right? club orgy. <laughs> and while all this is happening, everyone's just having an orgying out. Uh, Uncle Evil sidles in again. He just knew that Elvira was there. And he makes another pitch to buy the recipe book. And Elvira's like, I know what the fuck it is. Um, get the hell out of here, Uncle Evil. We also find out that um, Patty, Patty attacks Elvira, falls down. And then we find out that she's wearing falsies the entire time. She doesn't have, she's flat chested. Why, why didn't anybody want to fuck Elvira? Like everybody wants to fuck her all the time. And then while they all take this drug, everybody <laughs> know, right? hates her. <laughs> So the next day, the town council, who have all been orgying each other, um, they're all outraged. They're pointing fingers. They're all hungover. They don't know what the fuck went happened. And in comes Uncle Evil again. He throws Elvira under the bus and tells her they need to arrest her on witchcraft. And they're, I mean, they're your prototypical small-minded small-towners. And they're like, yes, let us do that. So they prepare to burn her at the stake. Arrest? Hell, we're going to execute the same night. <laughs> we're just going to execute her in the town square. <laughs> Uh, they arrest Algonquin, the poodle, too, but Algonquin is a shapeshifter, so he turns into a little punk rock rat and escapes from the prison and goes to free Bob. Bob, because this is really clumsy the way it's put out, Bob went back to get the book, but Uncle Evil stole the book. Uncle Evil, Jeff Conaway, and Jeff Conaway's buddy all 
I'll stole the book, uh, tied up Bob, so the rat frees Bob and turns back into a dog. But this time it's that red-eyed dog that left Elvira at the orphanage in the flashbacks. So. And at the same time, the teens climb the roof of the jail and break through the roof of the jail <laughs> while all the town is setting up a f- pyre to burn Elvira at. Yeah, and they, they do put her on the pyre and they, they light it. Um, there's actually one... This is probably my favorite bit in the movie where there's just one shot of Girl Scouts roasting marshmallows on this fire, (laughs) on Elvira's fire. And it's kind of like, I kind of wish there were more jokes like this. Not that that's super funny in and of itself, but it is, it's a visual joke. It really plays on like the kind of themes that it's going for. And yet it's not just your typical uh, setup punchline boob reference we even ha- yeah we've we've the, even the priest that comes to walk her to her execution cop puts his hands on her tits <laughs> yes so it's not looking good for elvira it appears she's about to be born uh burned alive at the stake but she had a magic ring the entire time so yeah um, where did this come from yeah she, she just, just had it all of a sudden is there so she makes it shoot special effects. The special effects cause a rainstorm to happen. The fire is put out and the townspeople scattered. So everything's fine. But no! Because remember that lunar eclipse? Her uncle found a smoke machine. <laughs> the lunar eclipse is here. And now something happens. Her uncle is a powerful magician, which he was already, but more powerful, I guess. Uh, he turns the town people into pigs. Uh, he corners Elvira, he overcomes Bob and Algonquin, and she tries it so bad the way this is filmed. She tries to like cast a spell, but her ring flies off of her finger <laughs> and onto his finger. And he's like, cool, I'll finish taking over the, the town. Uh, and she chases after him, and then suddenly, another comedy bit that does not land, she gets all Ramboed out. Yeah. She just comes out and she's all Ramboed, and she's got like a rocket launcher, and she shoots it at him, and she's like, oh, well, I tried. I looked down, I wrote a note, I looked back up, and now she's Rambo. And I was like, <laughs> did the scene get cut? Why? It's just, Yeah, it's just a clunky bit that she just shows up all armed and, and ready to go. Anyway. It's hilarious. She she fires a bazooka at her uncle, and it just hits him in the chest. He's like, yeah, no big deal. Then she throws a stiletto heel at him, yes. and it punctures his forehead. And, you know, she has time to escape now and busts through the gate with her boobs. Yes, they're in a cemetery. He corners her, but she impales her high heel on his head and uses her boobs to break through the chains. Goes back home where there's Jeff Conaway. Now Jeff Conaway tries to sexually assault her, but she throws the worms in his face uh, from earlier. Uh, So Jeff Conaway's done, I guess. Uh, But she's walking through her house. Her uncle reaches through the wall, but gets his hand chopped off. Yeah, an axe falls. Yeah, so she takes the ring from the severed hand just in time to deflect his attack. The attack bounces back at him, which turns him into special effects that just fly away and causes the house to burn down. So she has to run out and leave the recipe book there. So Uncle is, I guess, defeated, right? Because he just turned into blue lights and was gone. Next day, she's all bummed. The house is burned down. She's got no money. She's got nothing. And she tells Bob, the insurance people said, the policy doesn't cover acts of demons. Lame. Um, But here come the townspeople marching on her house. They're going to burn her again, right? No, this time they want to apologize and they want to help repair it and tell her how much Avira has meant to them. I'm not sure why this has changed from last night when they wanted to burn her alive and they've had no interactions with her since then. It's like, where where'd that come from? Um, but she accepts their apology. Everything's good. Um, 
I guess Edie McClurg is still a pig somewhere. I know, yeah. <laughs> there are other people who are still swine. Um, but she's ready to say, all right, I, I can live in this uh, podunk uh, hellhole. And, and then the lawyer swoops in and says, no, you don't have to live in this podunk hellhole. You have inherited your Uncle Evil's fortune. And now you can go put on your Vegas show. So we get, in the final scene, the Vegas show. The burlesque. And quirky. Does Elvira rap? Dan, it's a late <laughs> 80s show where there's a musical number. Of course, the white star raps. Elvira raps. I mean, we were all asking for it. It's one of those, like, you're just waiting, you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and then, bam, final scene, Elvira raps, finally. And it closes with Cassandra Peterson doing a spinning tassel bit where That's she right. has... The stripper tassels on the edge, and she does one boob spin, and then she does the other boob spin, and then both boobs are spinning. That you really get a nice close up of the boobs just flying everywhere, going for I a mean, while. She was a Vegas showgirl, Cassandra sure. Peterson, and I mean, this is no joke. It's like when when people say Burt Lancaster was an acrobat, and you're like, okay, was he really? And then you watch some of his movies, like, oh shit, yeah, Burt Lancaster was a real fucking acrobat. She was a real Vegas showgirl, yes, okay? Because like yes. that was not fake. That was no stunt doubles were in there shaking their boobs. She's almost forty at this time, and she's she oh, knows absolutely. she's working it, killing it. And she gives her send off, Elvira's classic send off, which is unpleasant dreams, and that's it. That's the end of the movie. It's Elvira, unknown punctuation mark, Mistress of the Dark, <laughs> Corky. Any final thoughts on this movie before we give our ratings? I mean, we stampeded through that, but that's it. There's nothing to really d- dwell on on this movie. Yeah, I mean, we could have just said every stupid one-liner, but like, really, what's the point? You know, <laughs> it's just. Uh... Anyway, let's remind people about our ratings. Uh, Run of the Mill uh, Bad Film is a dare. Next level bad, it's a double dare, and a movie we think is actually pretty good is a reverse dare quirky. You're rating for Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I'm really sorry, Ryan. I wanted it to be a dare. I knew I wasn't going to like this movie, but I, I wanted it to be a dare, but it's a double dare. It's one note, and that there there is a desert, a dry, arid desert devoid of comedy in the middle of this movie that just, it's like they set up 30 minutes of her getting to the town. We find out what the ticking clock and the plot is. Then 30 minutes of dry desert nothingness, and then the, they try to cram in an ending. I, I didn't. It just, I hated this. It was boring. Yeah, I did not hate this movie nearly as much as you did. I, I actually thought it went down uh, easy enough. It was entertaining enough, and I really liked Cassandra Peterson. I liked the character. I liked some of the ideas they're working with. It's just shoddy. It's shoddily made. It's a movie. It's a feature film made by TV people, and those almost always go bad. Certainly in this era where, you know, TV was TV and movies were, were movies. Now the kind of, you know, that line is a little blurrier. It's easier to move back and forth between the two, but it's a real shoddy sitcom level vehicle for a very likable performer and an interesting character. It's just not enough to, to hold, uh, sustain an entire feature length movie. That said, didn't hate it. I'm going to give it a dare. All right, that's all we have for you on this episode of Scare Daniel, but we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Yeah, next month is November, so of course we'll be doing our Travoltember films. We'll have two John Travolta vehicles, uh, which is really, it's just an extension of Scare Daniel, because you want to talk horror, uh, John Travolta (laughs) in the 2000s, that is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Until then... 
Send us your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. Be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on the Schmied, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on your favorite podcast app. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky. Yeah. Where can people find you trolling for the that's dead people? Ah, it's dumb. <laughs> you can find me at the Flamingo <laughs> Hotel, where I've paid $50,000 to do a residency, where I shake my tits. Wow. Oh, only 50000 you had to pay? <laughs> only fifty grand. This is a sweet deal. I don't know how Elvis made this work. You have to pay money to be in, you know, on a Vegas showroom. I shake the left one, then the right one, then both at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. It's impressive. <laughs> then I rap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful stuff. For Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Oh, and I'm Corky McDonald. Unpleasant dreams. (laughs) Bye, everyone.